Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor recommended dose of MD innovation. So this is Dr. Greg Goodman on the Modern MD. Really excited. This is episode number 38. We've got Sean Duffy, who is the co-founder and CEO of Amata Health, a healthcare and technology company that is pioneering the field of digital behavioral medicine with a mission of inspiring and enabling people everywhere to live free of chronic disease. Amata is one of Fast Company's 50 most innovative companies. Sean believes behavioral medicine is an incredible tipping point in innovation. Sean holds a BS in neuroscience from Columbia University, was a former MD-MBA candidate at Harvard, and formerly worked at Google and IDEO. Sean, an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, Greg. Happy to be here. So, Sean, tell me a little bit about you personally and your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, happy to. Um... So I grew up in Colorado. My mom was a nurse. My dad was an engineer. And I, you know, I think with both of those perspectives, was always kind of drawn to both worlds. Um, so you know, as you shared, ended up studying neuroscience in undergrad at Columbia, and graduated at a really interesting moment. It was 2006, which was right when Silicon Valley was back on fire. Uh, and just it was a rather beautiful moment in technology history. And you had companies like Google doubling headcount year over year. And I had at Columbia really you know, headed down the pre-med medical school track, was really enthusiastic about it. When I graduated, I found that I was just constantly reading tech blogs, and it felt like an itch I needed to scratch. So I actually ended up working at Google for a couple of years, got the ambition after spending a little bit of time and realizing that the world isn't you know, a binary choice between tech and healthcare, uh, got the ambition to see if I could combine both worlds and applied and enrolled in the joint MD-MBA program. Through that program, ended up getting interested in the idea of using tech and design to really pioneer behavioral medicine. Caught wind of something interesting that I'll share more about called the CDC National Diabetes Prevention Program. And, and funnily enough, it, it led to the company. So it was one of those things that just filled the state feels like an amazing almost, you know, bit of serendipity and an accident, if you will. Um, and it just yeah, it took on an amazing life of its own. What an incredible journey. And I think it's, you know, all about the curiosity and, you know, just constantly looking and searching the world for opportunities. It's really incredible. So we love to launch the show off with a success quote. Sean, do you have a quote that's important to you or something that you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, so the one I want to share is actually on my wallpaper on my computer. It's painted on the walls of Umada's office. It's on many other people's you know, wallpapers and screensavers here in the office, which is our mission statement. And I want to share it just because it's, you know, for those in the audience who are you know, entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs to be, you know, they'll either know already or will quickly realize that really your, your company tends to take over your being and you've really got to put it all, put it all into it. And so that's, that's top of mind each and every day. And the mission at Amada is that we inspire and enable people everywhere to live free of chronic disease. The reason that's important to me is for the first time in global human history, Obesity-related and preventable chronic disease is killing more people worldwide than infectious disease. So this is a tragic tipping point that we, as as humankind, have crossed that you know into. The mission statement Amada is very uh, you know carefully built and is broken into a couple of components. So the first is we inspire, um, which is us really 
communicating a, a neat value of the programs that we create and inspiring people to, to give them a go to put token and try them. We enable, meaning that we help people once they're inspired, take the next steps, put them in the right you know, social settings, give them the right you know, behavioral medicine, et cetera. Um, you know, people everywhere to live free of chronic disease. And the idea is that uh, technology and digital have the power to scale everywhere. You know, a life free of chronic disease is a more fulfilling life to live. So that's the quote that I see every single day and multiple times per day that uh, is top of mind and a core focus right now. That's incredible. I absolutely love that. Your mission statement is incredible, really inspired by the work you guys are doing and, and love that you really live and breathe that mission every day. Really, really awesome. So I want to shift into our white coat to business suit. You know, oftentimes in the modern MD, we share MDs that have uh, kind of finished the track, but I think you have a really interesting journey where you were an MD, MBA candidate at Harvard and kind of took a different path. Can you share kind of your transition into the entrepreneurial space and, you know, some of maybe your, your thought process going through that journey? Uh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, I was in the Harvard MD MBA program and, and went off and, you know, a bit of that program includes an internship that's supposed to be somewhat of a, a mix of business and medicine, and that's to be done after your first year. And so, you know, I had come from Silicon Valley, you know, working at Google. I had known some of the folks at IDEO. You know, for that internship, I actually wanted to, to kind of poke my head back in design and tech and just think about how those practices, you know, processes and people might be applied to primary care or uh, just, you know, clinical care more generally. So, uh, you know, I ended up working at IDEO for an internship, you know, which led to Amada. And, you know, even more fundamentally than that, I think I knew going into the MD-MBA program that someday I wanted to do something entrepreneurial in healthcare that combined tech. I wasn't exactly sure what that would look like. You know, I had an idea of building perhaps a Starbucks for primary care or just, you know, I was, I was interested in the ways that these worlds, worlds could combine. You know, so what happened to me is uh, on, while on this internship at IDEO, my colleague and I had the opportunity to spend a couple of months just looking at areas where design and technology could make an impact. And what we quickly found after digging into the literature is, you know, really how alarming the crisis of obesity-related chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease actually is. Um, you know, second to that, that there are approaches that have been proven to work in face-to-face -face settings. So there's this landmark trial called the Diabetes Prevention Program uh, that demonstrated you could take individuals at very high risk for type 2 diabetes and give them the right tender loving care and programs and, you know, support, and you could dramatically reduce their risk of getting diabetes. And, and you know, clinically, this made tons of sense. I mean, you look at the data from the trial, and it just seems like such an incredibly ripe opportunity. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, this is the sort of program that I can imagine my colleagues at, you know, Harvard Medical School would love to refer people into. It totally worked. It seems very well trusted clinically in all of the epidemiological modeling and papers that I saw at that time. In the discussion section, there was all this dialogue around, well, how how in the world could we scale these proven interventions? You know, clearly something works here. You know, how do we actually get them to people? And it just, it all kind of clicked at once where it felt like this sort of program could be scaled through, you know, technology. And so we, my co-founder and I, even before incorporating, went out and we sat in the homes of people at risk for diabetes and talked about what the care system had said to them, how it made them feel, what, what sort of things might work for them, um, and ended up talking to the CDC and heard about their effort called the CDC's National Diabetes Prevention Program, uh, which is really funded in the Affordable Care Act and had the ambition of taking this evidence base and translating it properly to the, to the world. And so, you know, it was one of those things where this felt so 
dead center in the sweet spot of my interest in that there was exceptional clinical integrity toward this effort and the evidence base behind these programs. And so at Omada, we always say we start with science. So the science was sound here, um, and it just felt like there was an incredibly ripe way to take what was known, build upon it, evolve it through technology. And it just, it, I, I love working with my co-founder. I left the people's homes when we interviewed them just with such enthusiasm to make this happen. And, you know, my transition was kind of, again, somewhat by accident. I mean, I had planned on finishing medical school. That was the plan of record. I got so engrossed in the idea of trying to will this thing into being that I kept taking more and more time off from the medical school. So I took one year off and they said yes. I took two years off and they said yes. And then the third, I kind of broke their policies. So they, you know, kind of forced me into a decision there. And, uh, you know, by that point, the company had started to really kind of light up and, you know, and, and haven't looked back. So, you know, the one liner on my transition is it happened by accident. I just all of a sudden found myself so excited about a specific problem to solve that I just couldn't think about anything else. And it just made the decision, you know, strangely to, to do it just, you know, quite easy. What a cool transition. And uh, when you're so passionate about whatever you're building or that mission is so great, you generally pick where the, where the heart is and, and go where the passion is. Really exciting transition. A lot of our listeners are, are residents or, or medical students. Do you have any advice for those that are interested in the entrepreneurial space or you know, looking at the Silicon Valley or some of the exciting startups in Boston or New York, how would you get involved? What would be some of your steps or, or thinking at least a, a mini transition before jumping in full time and, you know, leaving the program? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I just answered this question on a panel at Harvard Medical School, which was kind of a neat opportunity because they're trying to infuse the curriculum at HMS with more and more, you know, opportunities to shine light on entrepreneurship as a way to make an impact using an MD because it really is, a, you know, for folks who want to explore that route, it's a powerful way to scale your skill set and impact, you know, millions and millions of, uh, you know, patients and people. And, you know, the exact question that you asked me was asked by one of the students, you know, what should I be doing now and how do I know if the time is right to jump ship? And, you know, what I said answering the second question first was, look, you'll, you'll know when the time is right when you find a problem that pulls you so hard that it just feels psychologically like it musters you know, an incredible level of determination and, and is the sort of thing where you just, you will have to see through, you know, that's when you should do it. It's almost like when, ironically, it's when the choice becomes easy is the right moment and just finding that thing that you've just got to solve. And so that's kind of, that's the hardest bit. I mean, you know, I feel lucky in that, you know, had a chance to really, you know, poke around and explore and, and you know, locked onto something that I just wanted the world to have, you know, felt that. And there, you know, you just, you, when you talk to entrepreneurs, because it's a very, you know, it's a very hard work to will a company into being. I mean, you're constantly, you know, fighting gravity and there's a million things to do each and every day. And if you talk to the successful, you know, some of the most successful CEOs out there and say, you know, what, what was, if you had to name one thing that made your business a success, what would it be? What they'll usually say is determination, and I didn't give up. And I think that's a big piece of it. And you can only you can only feel that if you really find a problem you love. Um, so that was kind of the first and foremost. You know, find that problem, and then the time is right when it's an easy decision. And then in preparation to bolster just your entrepreneurial skill set, you know, what I shared is a good approach. You know, funnily enough, is to do two things. One is just education. So nowadays, there's an incredible you know canon of of you know, I'll call it literature, but it's mostly in the form of blog posts uh, that are aiming to help the entrepreneurial community. So you've got, you know, Sam Altman, who's currently running Y Combinator, you know, publishing, you know, guide to, a really amazing guide to startups. You've got all the Paul Graham essays. So, you know, for all the listeners on the line, you should read every single one of those. Just 
to experience secondhand, you know, knowledge and, and word. And then the other thing is through the amazing tools that exist in the world today, you can actually create many entrepreneurial projects. So you could tomorrow through a platform like Shopify, set up a t-shirt shop or a poster shop or try to sell something or try to build a mini business. And sometimes just trying to do that, knowing that this isn't the end all, this is just kind of the warm up for, for the big thing that I want to do, allows you to exercise, you know, entrepreneurial muscles. Um, so I always say, you know, always as you're leading up to wanting to be, a, you know, an entrepreneur and dive, you know, right into the deep end, go go in the shallow end of it and just kind of try to build little mini entrepreneurial projects as as almost kind of hobbies. And that's a great way to flex your muscles. I love that. I think the entrepreneurial space is like a workout. You know, you got to start with the pre-workout and you know, really start getting out there. Really incredible advice. Dipping your toe in is not bad, especially if you're in an MD program or MD MBA, trying some things out before you, you jump off the cliff and go off the deep end, I think is really good advice. So I want to jump into the idea to venture section. Can you tell me the big vision at Omada? I know you shared your mission statement, but the big vision and, and what you guys are working on and share a little bit about Prevent and some of the programs that you guys have going on. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so the, a little bit of the, you know, kind of the, the big idea, if you will, you know, covered before in that there's a lot that has been shown to work in face-to-face behavioral science. So the idea is how do you actually take that through and bring it to the digital divide. I mean, the reality is people are living their lives in front of their screens now, and any behavioral science program needs to meet people where they are. And so PREVENT is an instantiation of that philosophy, and the way that PREVENT works, um, which is a a digitally delivered uh, intensive behavioral counseling program, is we first uh, get to know individuals at risk for diabetes or risk for heart disease. We call that the tipping point population. So these are individuals who are overweight, and now they're starting to experience some early cardiometabolic problems. We take those individuals, get to know them a bit, and we match them into small groups, you know, based on geography and demographics. So they're in a group of other people like them. We mail them a digital scale that has a cellular chip in it, so it connects automatically to their private profile, and we bring them through an interactive curriculum where week by week we unlock lessons that are based on CDC standards in this space, and and they and their group are guided by a health coach who's also trained according to these CDC standards for delivering these sorts of programs. Um, So the idea is that uh, at the end of the day, a little bit of structure and a little bit of social support can make the difference in moving you know, toward better health versus away. And we try to provide an, almost an ecosystem around someone to make it so the path of least resistance is to actually stay in the program. You know, so the big idea is that, look, you know, these things work face-to-face. It can be done digitally. People are engaging socially online in ways they never have before. And when you do that, it allows it to scale. So it's really push-button behavioral medicine. And, and so that, that's what we started with. And we haven't actually deviated from that since day one, you know, which has been, you know, qu- quite a blessing. And so over the past, you know, the past four and a half years, I mean, we've gone through, you know, various phases. Phase one was generating, you know, data and, and peer-reviewed publications. Uh, so it, it's always been a focus of Umada to put what we're doing out in the literature and making sure that we're publishing our results and showing that our program works. And we even price our program on, on success, on clinical success. Uh, so that's been a focus of, of kind of, you know, since day one. So first was building the program, showing that it worked. Second was, you know, navigating the complexities of deploying with various self-insured employers and health plans across the country. And then the third phase, which we're in now, is just scaling 
and working to impact as many people as possible. And so, you know, well on the way to doing that, last year we enrolled uh, 31,000 people into the program, and we've set an ambitious target of trying to tip past 100,000 uh, enrollees this year. And we've done work now in all 50 states. We have 4 million weight readings from people in our program. So it's just been a really fun journey to, to get to where we are. And, and, you know, given the numbers of people at risk for these diseases, still feel like we're just getting started. You know, I'm excited to the fact that you guys are really trying to think about prevention. I you know that's really where it is. You know, when they've already got the diabetic foot ulcer, you know, the hypertension is bringing them into the, into the hospital. It's too late. It's really wonderful. You talk about science. Can you talk about a little bit of the data that you're generating from the program and, you know, some of the insights that you're getting? Oh, there's, there's so many fascinating things, um, and some of them we're going to start to kind of either publish in, in, in the lit or, you know, share via, you know, blog post. So, um, you know, when, when we do, I'll make sure to uh, either share them with you if your audience might be interested. But, uh, it, it, you know, I think at this point we have the, the best structured and largest uh, behavioral science database as it relates to obesity uh, in the world. I mean, with 4 million weight readings all, all tied to what people are doing in the program. And so a number of really, really interesting things. You know, one thing that's a bit counterintuitive uh, as an example of stuff we've learned is that older people actually do better in our program, which is kind of interesting because in the face-to-face uh, literature, what you saw is that older people tended to do a little bit better. And we were always curious to see if that would be the same for us, uh, given that we're digital, Maybe it's flipped because it's a digital program, you know, and more younger people, you know, might be more attracted to engaging in that way. But that was one really interesting insight that actually held a piece of that, you know, we think is a bit deliberate in that we've, knowing that diabetes risk and heart disease risk scales, scales with age and increases with age, we've designed our program to be ultra simple to use. You do not have to be a technology savant to get in. Um, and, and so, you know, our hope was that it would accommodate folks who are, you know, older, but it's been interesting to see that actually happen. And, and we, we've been doing some work with Humana, uh, who actually ended up investing in Omada thanks to the results they saw in their population. Um, and even in 65 up, uh, we're seeing just extraordinary, you know, engagement and, and weight loss. So that was, that was kind of one interesting insight. And then we're learning bit by bit every single day from the people that are in the product. So the goal is to make every user today help create an even better experience for the next one that enters the program. So with these sorts of programs that are driven by data science and, and evolve through data science, they're never done. I mean, you'll never, we will never put, you know, the prevent program in the oven, set a timer here at Bing and, you know, and, and declare victory. That's not how this works. So we have 10, you can think of them as miniature randomized controlled trials happening inside our product right now to explore different features we might include, different things we might do, how to better personalize, how to better tailor. And we think this is actually the next evolution where if you might imagine, you know, the whole diabetes prevention program literature, all of the science that exists already is kind of the baseline. Now through data science, we're starting to evolve and further that that even, you know, even more. So, you know, lots lots of stuff and and we're going to start getting some, some neat insights out there soon. That's a really cool insight. It's uh, it's interesting to hear that the older generation is engaged and excited and, and benefiting from the program. That's really awesome. So I want to shift to our last section, which is not our typical hospital rounds. So these are business rounds. Sean, what's the best advice that you've ever been given? 
You know, one bit of advice that is it was both came in advice form and just in observation form was really from my time at I. You know, there was a certain partner there, you know, named David Webster, and the way he would interact and engage with clients, even very senior, you know, executives across the healthcare spectrum, because at that moment in time he was solely focused on healthcare. Uh, he was he was himself, and he never strayed from being himself, being authentic and developing a sense of authentic leadership. And you know, his advice was, you know, look like you can't. It's a misdirection if you think to, you know, evolve into a quote unquote, you know, leader of a company or a leader of a team, you can't be yourself. That actually ends up you kind of shoot yourself in the foot if you do that. Um and you just need to you just need to kind of own own your own sense of self. And you know, I would see him do this and to to this day, that's what I've tried to strive for is to not not stray from, you know, who I am with the company or with potential customers or with participants in the program and just use that as a compass. And it's been incredible advice because it's so true that that is a reality. You, you know, you don't need to be, pretend to be someone you're not uh, to build a business or, you know, or to be a, a, you know, a leader of a company. And as an early entrepreneur, that's something you quite, you don't quite know, right? You think you might have to act a different way in tomorrow's, you know, organization or in front of that customer versus this. And it's not always the case. So, you know, I think that was, um, you know, an amazing bit of advice that still holds true. That's wonderful. I think it's so important to be authentic and just be you and doing some really incredible work. And, and I think you're an incredible leader for Umadas. Really, really awesome. So one of my favorite questions and uh, something that I really enjoy is studying the daily success habits of CEOs like yourself. Do you have a success habit or something that, you know, a morning routine that you do on a daily basis that you'd like to share or that you might attribute some of your success to? The one thing I do every single morning is structure my to-do list for the day. So I do this on the way to work and, and use kind of a simple light tool, uh, you know, called workflow. But anything, anything works for this. And, and the way that I do it is I have four categories. Um, one is urgent, which I try very hard not to populate with anything. But if something comes up that needs, needs absolute immediate attention, it gets to there. Um, then I have a bucket called today's tasks, near term and then long term. And as things come up throughout the day, in interactions with colleagues, potential customers, partners, you name it, um, I populate the list you know, according to near term and long term. And then each day I look at both of those categories and bring stuff up into today's task uh, and try to plan the day. And I make sure that Every single day, I've done everything in today's tasks, and I don't I don't stop the day until I do that. And that it feels like it bookends the day really nicely, where I start and reflect on what I want to get done, and then I close out by checking to make sure I did it. Um, and the reason that's been helpful to me is then the hustle and bustle of all the meetings and things that happen actually during the day don't distract me from the strategy of the day that I went in with. And I, I do that religiously every single day. I, you know, I couldn't live without doing that, and I think it's been very helpful. So I want to shift back to healthcare. I know you're in the chronic disease space and, and, and really excited about your work at Omada. What are some of the other, you know, big healthcare trends that you're excited about? Just in general, what are you most excited about and passionate about in healthcare? You know, I think the the wave of technology going to healthcare right now feels incredibly unique and different than what's been tried previously for you know for a number number of reasons. So that's bad. I mean, it's the area we're in, but even areas ancillary to Amara, it's that tends to be where I just get most excited because what we have is a you know a national and global penetration of smartphones and internet access, and and humans are using technologies in completely new ways that they've not before. And we're starting to see, you know, companies like Omada, you know, delivering evidence-based programs that are targeted toward getting clinical outcomes and, and having a receptive audience in the, you know, the payer community, employer community, uh, you know, really them thinking about how their existing business models can accommodate 
you know, companies like Omana. And so there there are a set of these, you know, digital behavioral medicine companies that I think are, are really, really fascinating. So that's, that's, that, I think, is, you know, one of the areas that I'm, uh, you know, obviously most excited by. It feels like across the spectrum that's catching momentum. I mean, you've got, you know, folks in D.C. looking at, you know, if and how they might cover interventions like, like what Omada's, uh, you know, built for Medicare. You've got, you know, plans on the commercial side, thinking about their innovation agendas in, in different ways. Uh, it's just a really interesting, you know, moment to see how digital programs can, you know, further evolve healthcare. And, and it all takes place in the context of this massive, you know, payment transformation, of, you know, going from volume to value and all the, you know, all the, you know, work that really the ACA kicked off to rethink some of the financial underpinnings of our healthcare system. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a ton to follow. The area that I'm, you know, clearly most interested in is how, how tech can make the biggest impact. Incredible. Sean Duffy from Amata Health. It was an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the Modern MD. So excited about your work, you know, your passion for driving and preventing chronic disease. Excited about the future at Amada. Thanks so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you uh, very much, Craig. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.